Welcome back to the Salsa Soul Food Podcast. On today's episode, we have the amazingly elegant and talented Mariana Garcia. Mariana is a fashion designer currently residing in Canada. She used to be a creative person in hiding, but now she is a fully realized, innovative woman. She tries to put her own unique perspective into everything in her life and never doubts that things can be done differently and better. This journey and perspective was highly impacted by better understanding herself through mental and physical health. So welcome, Mariana. We're so happy to have you today. Welcome to the SSF. Oh my God, thank you guys for having me. This is so exciting. Yay! <laughs> so during this season, the Inspired Storytime season, we're trying to set a nice vibe for all the listeners. Um, so our first question for you is, how do you get cozy? How do I get cozy? Wow. I mean, I think I definitely, every time I arrive at my house, I have to change my clothes. It's like, a rule of thumb like if I change my clothes I'm ready to to like forget about all my work and to forget about everything else and just enter in the cozy zone so yeah and what do you change into like that's like a very personal question oh. easy <laughs> um no I usually just have like uh like a pair of like old the kind of boy boxers that I wear and I'll just throw like a hoodie on and just like, you know, I have like an in-house sock, which is like a pair of wool socks that I always change into. Um, Wait, you, yeah. you have an in-house sock? Yes. So actually, this is something that I love about Canada and that I do not miss about the States is the fact that people here, it's like a must that you take your shoes off before entering the house. Mm -hmm. It's like a must. So I, I just always, I got used to doing that. And when I go to the States, I find it a bit weird that people like don't. Uh, but yeah, so then I'll just, I have a pair like socks by like where, where I change and I just put them on. So they're like the in-house sock. They never leave the house ever. <laughs> do you have guest socks? I know some people do that. Is that a weird thing? I have a set of like guest slippers and these are like slippers that my aunt uh, made for me. And although she thought my feet were so tiny, like I'm like, my feet are like size nine. <laughs> she made the tiniest slippers. But they're magical. I think the way she knitted them is like a crochet. So they stretch and they fit everyone. So I'm like, I made them also like my my guest house slippers and everybody always compliments them. So no socks, but slipper. Yes. Gorgeous. Love it. I also have in-house socks. I didn't know that that's what I would be naming them, but I also have those. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. <laughs> and the next question is. What have you been or are you manifesting for 2021? So it can be a project, a phrase, anything that you'd like. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like, I guess it was even more of a, like a, what's it called? A New Year's resolution, if you will. And I think I'm trying to not let people's moods get me down. So I'm trying not to let them affect me. Because sometimes, you know, you get so caught up and it's like, oh, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not even worth your time. So I think that's something that I'm trying that I feel like I'm still working on. And I'm doing okay with that. I have to say, like, if somebody's upset, like, I just don't let it get to you. So you move on and you stay happy. That's definitely my thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. On one of our episodes, we talked a lot about energy. And that's like the same thing, like trying to not 
let others' energy like seep into you or their reactions, and that's a really good one. Do you say any? Do you say anything in your head about that person, or or it doesn't matter? Like if someone gets you really mad, do you say like, "Oh man, I'm sure they they have a dog that loves them somewhere," or like <laughs> like just try <laughs> to make them more of a human, you know? Um. I think that, you know, because they, they always say also, like, the people who get under your skin the most is the people that know you best. Sure. So I think I related more to people that I see a lot. So I obviously have close relationships with them. And I think it's just more like some stuff is, like, unrelated to me. And so I want to make sure that I don't kind of, like, center about myself so that I'm exactly, like, absorbing their negative energy or if they had a bad day or something like that. So, yeah, definitely trying to let go of that so that when I just get home again I'm in, I'm in a in a good mindset I think that's like the 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 goal here yeah mm-hmm. and so tell us a little bit about your background your upbringing and what kind of led you to the creative designer fashion like branding space Ooh. um so yes so I was born and raised in Bogota Colombia um and I lived there until I was 12 and I feel that there wasn't because, you know, like things are tough in Colombia, like growing up. Um, I think my family also wasn't necessarily like feeling that they had a ton of opportunities there. And so for them to like envision a creative path for their kids, it's, it's a little bit hard because they're trying to take care of themselves. They're trying to set their kids in a path where they can be successful and like feed themselves. Because like at that point, we didn't necessarily know that we were going to be leaving the country. And so I felt like creativity wasn't necessarily something that was um, encouraged per se. Like, I think, you know, I would draw and stuff like that. And my parents would be like, oh, that's so cute. But it wasn't necessarily something that they would see as like a career potential or as a path. Um, and so I remember just, it's like a little bit of a tangent here, but I remember just encountering creative people and I didn't necessarily understand like how I could join into those places. But I have, a, for example, like a cousin who's a drummer and he's like super amazing. He's extremely talented, probably like one of the best drummers I, like, I've ever heard. And like, I'm not biased. He's my cousin. Um, but he's been doing it for so long. And it was just always impressive to see like the kind of confidence and like power he had when he was doing it. And like my, fo- my family would be watching his shows and stuff like that. And that was really nice. So that was like an encounter with creativity that like definitely marked me. And another one um, that I can point my finger at directly is like one of my other cousins, his name is Juan Pablo. And he would, he just had like a, a, like a beard all the time in like his hair. But what he would do all the time is that he would switch it all up. Like he was crazy. He would have like this insane like sideburns and like shave the rest and like let his hair grow. And then he just have a mustache and like, but it were very drastic changes. And so every time I would see him, I would like, that was so interesting to me. I'm like the perception of who, what you look like, like something you can kind of like um, modify yourself. And I think that was like kind of places where I encounter creative people and he's also like a crazy artist he's like you know he's been drawing forever draws cartoons like he definitely had something that I was like wow like what a gift and so I feel like those are places that I encountered but he wasn't necessarily encouraged um and so then I moved to the U.S. you know when I was like 12 years old and again I didn't necessarily feel like I was 
being super encouraged to be creative as a person but I ended up finding little paths where I guess like the journey started of like how that could happen and you know like as you know like we we all went to high school together I definitely had moments where I would experiment just with like clothing and I would you know put some looks together here and there and I didn't really know like why it just kind of connected to me and um I never again I never actually thought that I could make this like my life or that it would basically be a path for me or that I could even that I could modify anything about it like I as I said like I used to kind of draw when I was a kid and I would like cross stitch or knit like when I was like under 12 if you can imagine this I'm like the old lady um but like sewing or having a sewing machine was not something that I had ever had or that I thought I could you know get my fingers on so yeah that uh I think up leading up to so again I live in the U.S. and I think I also felt like my life was very structured and like academically um my parents wanted me to do well academically and like they, that was like a priority for them and I definitely remember just kind of not diving into creativity just because I felt like that was the only path for for me to be successful and actually it only happened that like when I moved to Canada I was uh, 18 or 19 years old <clears throat> and then actually when I moved out I think that's the point where definitely there were like a lot of lows in my life at that point and um, I felt like very isolated. I felt that I had like issues with communicating with people and somehow it all started to transform into, into like modifying myself from the outside. Like maybe that would give me some confidence. And I feel like that's, that's really, I would say like the beginning point of maybe like me being more inclined into like being like, okay, fashion design may be an option for me. And I studied, um, I was in women's studies for a little bit as a, you know, like a career and like a topic that I'm super, super interested in. But at the same time, I was like, I don't see myself being like in, in academia for like the rest of my life. Like I need to use my hands. Like I need to dive into things. I knew it. And also my experience in university in Canada was not great. I really felt like a big outsider. And it really brought me back to other times in my life. And I was like, I just don't want to be here. And um, so one day, I don't know why, I just, I was already experimenting with my style. Like I had, I was broke at the time. So not that I'm not now, not kidding, but I definitely was like more broke at the time. And I actually started buying a lot of vintage clothing. And I found that that gave me like such cool, like I used to find such cool pieces and I would just, Play with my hair and like I don't know and, and then I, one day I just kind of like woke up and I was like I need to go to fashion school like it just really kind of came to me and and I switched and so once I started fashion design I really felt at home because I felt people were not judgmental and I felt that you know people were like oh I like what you're wearing or things like that and, and that was like one of the first times where I just felt like more at home um, and you know I went through the school process it was like a three-year program um, and so you know you learn to sew you learn to draw and at the same time I think at that moment in for schooling I felt that 
although I was like learning how to become or like how to sew and like all these technical aspects of of the of being in fashion design I felt like I couldn't let my brain exactly like be free and and kind of like accept my creativity at that point and I think it was only maybe after graduating and actually being in the fashion industry for for a long time that I found my flow and like my groove into understanding that like I can use my creativity and like really inject it into a project. So it really has been like a discovery and like a process into into creativity being something that I've embraced rather than kind of like thinking of it as a hobby almost. Um, so it really has now become into like a full time. I've given it my all. I've like given into it and I've just said, it's the only thing I'm happy doing. Like, thank God, I feel very privileged to to be doing something that I love in my life. And I think just kind of like reconciling my kind of like, you know, my feelings and like my parents' feelings with my career has just been like a great place to to like let my brain go and like to let my skills and and like that creativity just like blend together and make something new. <laughs> Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I when you mentioned your cousin with like changing the beard, it was so funny because I'm like, that's Mariana, like in high school, because (laughs) I remember like you would come in every day and I'm like, oh, my God, like, how does she do this? Like she would always just look so elegant and just not just elegant, but it would just be so diverse, like the looks that you would have. And I, I mean, I was like a nerdy, like 14 year old. So in your mind, it might be different. But um, <laughs> I remember also Mariana and I went on a double date together. Oh, gosh, and I was yes. mortified because Mariana was just like this, like flowing like elegant fashionista. And I'm like, oh, my God, how do I how do I get ready Why next to would- her? But I what loved was I it. Wearing? I don't even you had remember. like a long, like it was like those over, um, not overgrown. What am I trying to say? Like large sweaters, mm-hmm. like oversized. That's what I mean to overgrown say. Overgrown sweaters. <laughs> overgrown sweaters. <laughs> and I remember you curling your lashes and like curling your hair. And I, I grew up with that and like seeing my sisters, but seeing like you do that, I was like, oh, like I could feel like you were in your element in a sense. I don't know if that is clear and you were like should i bring the jan sport backpack or no i mean absolutely that is what i want like it's i have to admit it so it's really cool to see like how you had that that influence of like a family member and then me as an outsider kind of like i can recognize that so that's really cool and and your brother was also like um, a creative he, he, he played guitar right yeah, yeah. So actually, my my brother is like a, a very, very talented person, 100%. He taught himself how to play a lot of instruments, actually. And he's always been, I feel like he's, it's like, I find this about, like, I'm not saying like all men are like this, but I definitely find more, men are more likely to be like this, which is the fact that they find something they love and they go so hard and then they drop it, you know? And I feel like he was like that a lot. And like with music, I don't even think he really plays music that much anymore. But like, I know when he found a guitar, he just like went so hard in. And I know now too, he definitely has, he plays other instruments as well. Hmm. So yeah, he also had moments with with fashion a little bit, I would say. Definitely like, what did they call him in, in school? Jesus, he had like the long hair, the tie-dye teeth, yeah. stuff like that. 
Yeah, it was funny because um, I guess we, like the way we grew up, it was in like moving to the States. And, and you know, it's normal that like teens go through this, I guess, but like finding your identity and who you are is like a huge important part of of growing in general. And I think, so he and I definitely kind of fell into that experimentation of like, let's play around with our looks or like our hair or things like that. So it really was, you're, it's funny that you're saying it and like, I definitely think about it, but I haven't thought about it in a while, but we definitely have parallels where sometimes I'm like, I have nothing like him. And then I'm like, oh my God, we're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah. thinking more along the lines of, cause you were talking about like how there was creativity growing up that you witnessed from your family and he must've been witnessing the same thing. Um, you know, from your yeah. cousins or, or like the, the drummer and also the per the person with the hair. So I, I feel like whatever you absorbed, he absorbed too around the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think those, especially those two cousins for us were like, we have like a larger age gap, but it was definitely like, for me, those two characters were always the ones that I like looked up to because um, they felt like youthful and like they were just confident you know like I feel like when they enter their elements they had such a confidence about them and I was like what is it like to be confident like I had I didn't understand I feel like I connected definitely those two things so yeah he was always with me like when we would see our cousins so for sure yeah mm -hmm. it runs in the family <laughs> so walk us through a little bit of so you went to school um for design and then you sort of started in your career right so walk us through a little bit of some of the jobs you had that led you to your current um role right now so basically after graduating like actually I definitely worked uh in retail when I was going to school and before that so I worked for let's say American Apparel, I worked for Aldo, and I worked for Club Monaco. And it's funny because it's like it really each brand really attracts like a certain type of person and you can expect like a certain type of environment for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely retail is garbage, guys. We all know the customers are awful. <laughs> you get no tips and it's just like, but you know, it's like, okay, you love the aesthetic and you love this. And it's still, so people come in and they want to be styled and I feel like again that was cool for me because particularly when I was at Club Monaco I got um like some dudes would come in I was like I studied menswear specifically and I would just be helping in like the menswear section and like sometimes guys would come and be like oh look uh can you help me like I have this budget or I want to get this, this and that can you help me and I would be like oh my dream I would just throw things at them in the fitting room and like see them come out feeling so good about themselves, even though it's the same men that like walked in, but it's not the one that's gonna walk out. They walk out so differently and like they, they're changed people. So that part was fun. I love that you said that because, okay, so there's two thoughts in my head with this because when I would walk into a clothing store, like in my head, I would say, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. But that's not necessarily true because also the other side of me was like, dear God, I need so much help um, <laughs> being clothed and I don't know what I'm doing. But <clears throat> but I think the don't talk to me comes from the fact that I think of retail workers as they're forced to they they're supposed to ask you and like that's part of their job, but they don't actually want to like help you like what they what they want is to say hey do you need any help and, and me to say no no I'm good and they're like oh thank god now I can go back to doing something else and not have to talk to you so the fact that you like to style men is like 
it's, that's pretty cool. There's, I would say there's like two kinds of people. Cause like, not, let's say not everybody gets commission in retail, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so if you're just a, like a part-time worker, you most likely don't get commission. So I would say that like a lot of people that you speak to is not necessarily because you're trying to like meet your quotas or things like that. So yeah. And again, I think he was just part of like, you see how good people feel sometimes by just like changing their t-shirt or like changing their hair. It's like, they're the same person. Um, but yeah, it's a combination of like, also you get a lot of bad experiences that sometimes you're just happy the customer is like not interested in your help, but so people just know what they want, you know, yeah. but it's nice to like, I know this is the only place where they called us like stylists because I think they did want us to jump in and say something. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, but just to say, so that was like up to my graduation. I did that. And then, um, when I graduated, I felt a little bit like out of options in a way. Like I was earning like, let's say minimum wage at that time. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to pay my rent now. And I'm going to have to <laughs> like get, life is going to get more serious. So I also feel like I was lacking the confidence department to maybe find a job in a company that I could have really connected with. Um, but again, it was all opportunities and I knew that I would have to like pay my dues in the beginning because sometimes the work, obviously like for something so, um, what's the word? Like this is almost like a technical career in a way. So it's like sometimes the schooling and the business are two different things. So I knew that I just had to like get my foot in the door and like everything would follow kind of thing. So I ended up working for like some like outerwear companies, uh, and I also worked for a kids wear company. Um, I did a little bit of like freelance here and there. And, you know, just kind of being engaged in the industry through like what other people say and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, those and I also did like an internship and in, in different things. But the fashion industry in Montreal, I would say it's very, um, it's, kind of similar I would say a lot of companies are very similar here and the environments are similar like you also have to be a type of person to be able to work in the fashion industry because you know like it's a bit of an oxymoron that like in school they're like unleash your creativity and then when you enter a lot of the times in these places they're like oh no no creativity like they kind of want to do the same thing everybody's doing just to make sure the numbers are met and like the buyers are met and and it just really like becomes almost like a political environment. But at the same time, your job as a designer is to 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 be able to channel like a brand's vision into something. So I was definitely like that was the time when I was like learning how to to do those things in my previous jobs. And I feel definitely like that experience and being in different environments with, you know, people, whether it's good or bad or like learning how they work is also what marks what you want your next step to be. So I would take all these experiences of, um, you know, designing like as a junior designer and then like maybe as a technical designer and there's different jobs that you can have that teach you different things. But I feel like at the end of the day, if you've made it, I've already been working in the fashion industry for eight years, which is crazy for me to say out loud. Um, but I feel like in those eight years, I have really learned and understood like where I want to be. So I think those jobs were just learning experiences to, you know, it's sometimes it's, I feel like it's as important to know what you want and also what you don't want. 
So yeah, they were great at the moment. And I definitely speak to some great people from that time who to this day give me great advice if I ever need it. Um, but I think it's like, I'm at a point where I'm ready to, to not make exceptions to the kind of environment that I want to be in. Yeah. What is something that you don't want, you know? Um, so I would say I don't want to be in an environment where like my work is not appreciated. Um, you know, I think, of course. yeah, I mm -hmm. think especially for design, it's like you are supposed to kind of, or like uh, creative people, I would say are a little bit more emotional and like you definitely put your emotion in everything that you do. So sometimes like when those things are easily disregarded or like people think that your job is really easy, it really takes away from the experience or, you know, like, I don't know, not being around management that's not encouraging you. Like they should be like lifting you up and mentoring you. I think that was something that I found quite often in the fashion industry is just like, everybody's kind of like afraid that you're gonna like take their job, but rather if they make you better, you would never wanna do that because you have like a great working relationship. So those things that like, again, they kind of put like a halt on your creativity because you're so caught up in politics and like an emotional side that has nothing to do with what you can create. And so for me, I'm like, Ugh, I'm so done with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just I know from talking to you, too, it seems like you're in a better place now where you kind of you got to learn those technical skills and the things that you kind of had to learn from those past experiences. But do you feel like now you're at a place where you're a little bit more in control of the creative process and have a little bit more support in in that way at this point in your career? Yes. So I think the creative process has definitely changed a lot. Um, I think, again, I think with the experience that I've gotten and I think also just like mental health journey has taken a huge spot in here because I've learned to to be a little bit more chill about it. And I also, as I was saying before, like I definitely felt like I had a lot of communication issues in general. And I find that now um, that I've focused on like my mental health, not only has my communication with other people improved, but like the communication I would say with myself has improved as well. And so I've understood that finding creativity can happen anywhere. Like anything can inspire you, but sometimes you gotta give it a chance to simmer so that you can kind of channel it or find your take on it. Um, I really think, yeah, like basically creativity is almost like, and I guess I know you had, we had talked about maybe like a, defining it a little bit and it's more, I would say it's like putting your point of view confidently into something that people will touch or hear or experience. So um, I feel like nailing that idea has taken some time but the way let's say just like a general and I'm talking for like fashion design particularly right now but let's say we work with deadlines of course and there are times and times of the year where people need certain things example like a jacket you wouldn't sell it in summer right so you need to make sure that the the jacket will arrive at the time when people will need to purchase it and also just I love telling people this because I feel like this is not mention enough but every piece of clothing that you're wearing right now is about one year in the making which is a long time and it touches a lot of hands of a lot of people and it's not just like the designers but it's also like the you know the a production team or 
you know, like the factories, doesn't matter where you produce, like you have to have your find, you have to find your fabric, you have to find your colors, you have to, you know, choose your weight and like, you have to make sure that every size looks the same. It's like, it is like a big team operation. Um, so everything is really like a year in the making, which means that also like the behind the scenes process and the creative process. Oh my God, guys, I've totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying before? <laughs> let's stop this back Angela what was your question I forgot no I was just asking you know you did you did great with explaining how like the behind the scenes of it I was just asking about like your current role and if you feel like you have more control over your creativity but I like what you said you you kind of define creativity having the confidence to to like convey a message and deliver to someone um but yeah just asking about how you have like more control of your creativity mm-hmm. in versus those past jobs where you didn't have, it was more technical maybe. And I like what you yeah. said about um like the, how creativity you have, you have a little bit um like o- of ownership over it than like other jobs. Like I'm not going to get passionate and argue with someone about how I formatted a, a spreadsheet, you know? Um, but, (laughs) but like you create something and you feel like you, like you were a part of this. So if someone just like throws it into the waste bin, you're going to feel like hurt about that. And I'm sure that's happened to you in your career. Like, how do you deal with that? Because creativity just inherently has like more passion involved. Absolutely. Um, I think. I think the main thing when I was saying like you have to be a type of person to work in the fashion industry like you need thick skin because everything is teamwork and you will get a lot of criticism from a lot of people and it's almost like a process where you have to detach yourself from the project a little bit even though it's your baby which is crazy Um, but you also have to understand like why these comments are being said and then you have to pick your battles if you truly believe that changing this from this item will ruin it, then you push for it. But if you think you can give this up because something else is more important then like you have to kind of, cause it's always like, it really is always like a teamwork and about everything. And so Angela, when you were saying like, I guess how the, the creative process has changed for me too is the fact that like, I think I'm surrounded now by people who encourage these things and they're like more solution oriented you know it's like I think they they understand and respect and you know like again they do criticize like the the main concepts when you design a line um but at the same time they're not just saying like no this is not good give us something else it's more like oh maybe this can be changed like this and maybe this can be better in this way and I feel like just that language greatly impacts like your freedom and your voice in in the in the field you know so yeah yeah for sure and so yeah I love how you said like coming full circle like you're younger and you see creativity as a way to like have confidence right to kind of be seen almost and then it seems like once you find that it's kind of being thrown into the real world and understanding like how the language works how the communication works like in those environments and then like you said finally coming to having these certain specific like revelations with like your mental and maybe physical health that kind of now have allowed you to like really like blossom. So tell us a little bit more about your like mental health journey, physical health journey, and like what are steps you kind of took to, um, to start there? 
Okay, so actually, I guess, and again, I'm like, I'm super open about therapy. Like, I really, um, like, I do come from a culture where that's not particularly spoken about very much. But I don't know, one day I, you know, like, I kind of remembered something that had happened in my childhood. And I, and I was like, Oh, my God, I need a therapist. Like, I think I felt that I needed somebody more professional to help me tackle that. And so I thought like, oh, this therapist is just going to be there to help me solve this one issue and like call it a day. But here I am like six or seven years later, um, really using him, not using him, but like, you know, it's a, it's a mutual service here. It's a service. Um, what's helped me just understand not necessarily just that issue, but like the root of many other things that that used to block my clarity or like giving me more clarity when it comes to like, I get just like my own, my own feelings and like how to have better relationships with people. Because I feel like also sometimes creativity is like quite easily misunderstood. And I think learning to get people to understand what you're saying is the easiest way to, to get your vision out there. And so, you know, like I went to him to help to, to help me solve like this maybe one thing, but what I've taken out of therapy is that like, he really has taught me to, to reconnect with friends that matter, to even to like silence the, the critic inside me where it's like, you know, uh, self-criticism is quite tough sometimes, but I feel like he just taught me to, to get past those things and like if you do things with confidence and again it's funny because like I always kind of put creativity and confidence together because they have to be um but he's really empowered me in that sense where like my voice matters and my point of view matters and it's also okay to forgive yourself uh in many ways like you don't have to be so critical and like you have to try you have to try new things and you have to just like find what makes you you and like kind of utilize it to to fuel your creative process so I feel like I don't actually talk to him about much about like creativity necessarily I definitely talk to him more about like my psychological uh like state or struggle but those are all the things that I've learned like it's insane how it just has seeped into every place of my life and I would say that it has just generally made me like a better person and and it just made me better with dealing with people who I have to justify my creativity too so that's definitely been like a blessing from that and I think when you were saying physical health so um and it's funny I was like listening to kind of like an episode of Mark where you were saying about like the baseball shirt and stuff like that oh my god yeah (laughs) um so definitely I feel that body image is I think a struggle for everybody like I don't think anybody can say that you know they're fully like love and accept themselves it's like a big word um but I've had like an interesting kind of experience of like me maybe trying to go to the gym and maybe doing this and that but I feel like after all this many years that I've opted in and out of certain activities to maybe try to find what works best for me I this like you know yoga is definitely like a powerful thing to just quiet my mind for a minute and literally like be so notes on end on anything else other than yoga that it like it really makes you kind of like focus it's like a meditation form almost uh, so that's definitely like a chosen path for me and doing some classes I found like a nice uh, 
Instagram person that like has good classes that I do from home now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, so the brand I work for is a running brand right now. And I definitely feel like my boss has been a great inspiration and for me to to try that as well. And like, I think like the biggest challenge for me in like my kind of um, like physical health career if you will (laughs) is that sometimes I take breaks that are too long you know sometimes you see like oh your body's changing and like you look good and then you're like oh maybe I could not do this for a week so I'm definitely trying to figure out how to close those gaps even more but I feel like when I put when I pay attention to my body I feel like your mind just kind of follows and not, you just feel better about yourself. Like if one day you ran this much, but the next day you can run more, like you feel so good about yourself. And then if you do that in the morning, your whole day is going to be like such a positive experience. So I think all those things are tied together because they just make you kind of like, they make you connect dots easier in your life. And if you feel good about your body and like about your mind, then you're going to step into any any space and you're going to make decisions that are right for yourself so yeah definitely yeah I love that I, I I agree because I just feel like for myself with my own like health and wellness journey that it really is like you said I feel like I can step in a room with even more confidence kind of going back to the confidence and creativity which mm-hmm. I love that too and I think it's yeah you're just honoring yourself you're valuing valuing yourself um so yeah that's a, those are really good points And how, so I know you mentioned body image. um, And I also wanted to to say that I think it's a good point you say, like how you kind of might have had long gaps, right? In between sort of being more active or more proactive in certain areas of your health. And I think it's also like a tough balance with loving yourself and being disciplined. Because Mm -hmm. I think that we have two extremes where it's like, you have to completely love your body no matter what, but it's okay to want to change and improve in a sense in certain areas. And as a society, I think it's, we have to start to have healthy conversations about what is actually healthy and loving yourself no matter what, but also understanding that discipline doesn't have to be like a bad thing. So I think you bring up like a good, like a good point with that. Um, and so with your, either your current brand or, or any experience, like what have you ex- uh, seen with body image in being in fashion? Because I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So actually, definitely one thing why I love where I am right now is because, um, so yeah, guys, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here, but like I am the creative director of a brand called Prey. So it's like a running brand here in Montreal. And like I feel like when (laughs) thank you (laughs) um and so you know I feel like runners look very different you know there's runners that are are like very skinny and have like no fat on their body and then there's runners who are just like normal people who like love to drink beer and they just run and they do it for fun they do it for like the community aspect and I think something that attracted me a lot to this place is in a way how like approachable and and democratic it is and and when I say democratic I'm talking about like race I'm talking about body shape I'm talking about just absolutely anybody who wants to run is welcome like if you have shoes and shorts like you're good to go um so I feel like that has really tied up into let's say who we want to portray when we do campaigns and stuff like that like I definitely feel like for 
like I kind of personally want to want to make it a point that like beauty in and I think in the fashion industry we all know there's like a particular look that is preferred for many people and of course it showcases it showcases like clothes nicely I'm not gonna like say it doesn't but at the same time fashion is not even for those people fashion is really for anyone like we all wear clothes we all can be part of it so like we should no matter what you look like like you should be part of it and I, I really make it a point like you know I'm also in my 30s now and I every time I let's say I, I go on online shopping I see that a lot of the models are not representing me and I'm like I'm sorry but I have like very sexy friends who are after 30 after 40 after 50 and they have very and it's not to diss young people but they're I feel like they're overrepresented in fashion yes um and so I feel like you know like when I when I meet someone and like they have very interesting lives and like it doesn't matter what age they are like to me it's important to represent that in like what I do and so I definitely I firsthand have gone through a lot of like uh self-image and you know, like body dissatisfaction and stuff like that. And I, I feel like that stuff is over. Like, I don't, I would never want to be in a brand where, where that is like our prerequisite to be part of. Like, I don't want that. I want it to be open. Like, if you're cool, you're cool. I don't think it matters. If you're funny, you're funny. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what you look like. And I think that's like a, a very big focus that we bring into who we choose, um, to to communicate the brand with us and stuff like that so that's definitely like I take that into consideration because I, I don't want to be in that cycle anymore and I have witnessed it in like you know other companies also like how they recruit models or they want this particular look and you know or even sometimes when it comes to let's say like diversity and a lot of the times it's kind of like what's that term like token like a token kind of models and stuff like that so I feel like in that area, like I know our team is very diverse and just with that, it comes almost like a responsibility to, to portray just the same. And I say like diversity open in like, as a very open-ended term because race is not even just the only thing that can be suggested from diversity. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely that's like something that I, if I can just kind of make like a little bit of a of a change in anyone's perception like I definitely push it strongly in that mm -hmm. yes yeah and that's such a good point that when we talk about diversity race is just one little piece of I mean it's it's a huge piece in many regards but like there's so many other things that make up a person right mm -hmm. uh, and what about for yourself for future or any type of projects creative projects that you might have or you're like kind of dreaming up you don't have to share everything, but if you want to share something. <laughs> um, I mean, I think right now the focus is pretty strong on um, the current place I work at because I feel that it's really changed my perception of the fashion industry as a whole. Um, so I've been there for about two years and we're like a team of three people. Please don't tell anyone, you guys. <laughs> it's a very small Oh, thank operation. God. No one listens to this. So <laughs> you're <laughs> set. Just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're quite a small team. We have a very good synergy. And I think we're all very interested in like making this particular little project like 
get bigger and succeed and maybe speak to more people. So I think it's just all, everybody's on board with this mission. Um, I think it's never been a, like necessarily like a goal of mine to have, let's say a namesake brand. Like I really don't, you know, like I couldn't, I just don't care that people are like, oh, this is Mariana Garcia. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I, I find it's more, I find it more interesting when it's like a collective product or like a collective, um, not necessarily product, but the, the outcome it comes from a collective. Like that's more interesting because you always need like fresh blood and like you always want different perspectives to, to make things evolve. And I think evolution is also quite important for, for design, but I mean, nothing says that in the future, I, I can have my own project. I just feel like I'm quite invested in this one. And as I said, like every, everything in life will teach you something. And I also feel like I don't want to, you know, the fashion industry has obviously a lot of issues with like sustainability and like the kind of damage that it causes to the earth and stuff like that. So I think it's very important that if you, or like, at least for me, if I ever want to kind of start something, I want to make sure that it's not because it's adding more crap to planet. It's more like, because there's a reason to be. And so I think when that becomes clear in my brain, it will probably unroll into what is this project and like kind of only shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with that, I feel like there is um, kind of a movement going around of people wanting to learn how to repair their clothing. Um, it, it, kind of, it kind of feels like the new, the new recycling um wave you know at least i've heard a bunch of people like talking about it like instead of just buying new clothes like try to try to fix the clothes that you got um or even just making your own clothes and sewing but what i've noticed and that's just this is just from my girlfriend who got into it over the pandemic it's kind of a huge barrier to get into to sewing because it's so expensive just for fabric where you could just buy like any old t-shirt that's you know like super cheap but then you, you know when you when you make something you usually think that's the cheaper version you know like i can make a pizza cheaper than i can go and buy a pizza so i just don't understand why it's so expensive to buy fabric so actually that's like a very interesting and maybe a long conversation to come but <laughs> i think the the main point that's brought up here is that of course like when you produce one versus when you produce many sure. obviously it costs a lot more yeah. so to start with that. But I also feel like people, or I think North America, and I would say it's like a global issue, but we've all greatly undervalued what clothing should cost because the reality is that we should not have a closet full of so many things. We should really have stuff that's like well-made and it's gonna last for a long time. So fast fashion and like people wanting, because like, you know, a lot of people blame companies. So like, oh, fast fashion, fast fashion. But like the demand is there. Mm -hmm. So the consumer is neglecting or, uh, you know, just fully ignoring the power that they have with their wallets. Like that is a huge thing that it's easy to point fingers, you know, but it's also good to understand. And like, you know, your question is extremely valid. Like, you know, buying a sewing machine or buying the tools that you need, the needles, the thread, the thread has to match your fabric. What kind of fabric should I use? Maybe this, the regular machine might not work with this stretchy fabric. Like there's definitely like a lot of, a lot of kind of technical knowledge that needs, is needed behind that. But I would say just like, you know, 
a lot of clothes that we make overseas are obviously just people earn a lot less than like what a minimum wage would be in North America. Mm -hmm. So if it takes you however many hours here, like also over there, because it's producing bigger quantities is streamlined. So everybody will be doing the same step over and over and then passing it to the next person to do the next step. So obviously it becomes like a much faster process that it costs less. But in general, I think the main consensus is that people have, because there's t-shirts that are $5 and people don't necessarily think like, as I was saying, like it takes a year to make them. So how come it's $5, you know? And so I think this is like the the biggest realization that sometimes it is not about how, and and again, I'm not saying that everybody should just change their mind, whatever, like some people just can't afford these things and it's completely fair and valid. But like, if you had the choice to maybe purchase something that's from a local company and maybe something that is made from from materials that you know it's going to last you longer that is not fast fashion and like you should opt for those options and you should really find something that you love and that if it's kind of like Mary Kondo like if it sparks joy you should look more into it you know like don't buy Dubai don't go for the cheap things if you if you can you know and I think that will also make you love your wardrobe more And it will make you add value into these pieces that we take for granted because we just wear them every day. So, yeah, I think. uh, (laughs) Really cool answer. Yeah, I was going to say that's you like hit it on the money (laughs) because I feel like we were, you know, talking about your mental health journey and physical health and trying to make everything relate to like wellness. But I think that's such a good point. It's like, um just what is in your space, right? What is in your space in your home and your wardrobe is a big part of that. And just, you almost feel like clarity, right? If my clothes are folded, if I know, like if I have good quality clothes or enough clothes or whatever the case is for that specific person, uh, yeah, you just feel better. It feels lighter. We don't need as much like you're saying. I love it. (laughs) But it's also, I feel like it's also good because, you know, like, I feel like my dad does this a lot. Let's say like if anybody gives my dad a gift and it's clothes and like usually, you know, it's like for his birthday or Father's Day or whatever. And like we'll buy him as a like as a family, like a nice cashmere sweater or like something really cute that he'll love. And he's like, oh, no, this is only for special occasions. And I'm like, no, every day is a special occasion to feel good, honestly. I value my morning routine so much because like, okay, so like I'll take a shower, I'll do my hair, I'll like, you know, I'll look cute and I'll choose my outfit because that marks my day. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why do I need to keep my nice cashmere sweater that my parents bought me for special occasions? Every day is special. And I think, you know, understanding that is like key to to putting value in the clothes that we get. Mm-hmm. I got sneakers and boots that I still haven't put on because it's been like, it, it, in my head, head, it's like, oh, it's only for summer and fall because spring is too wet and dirty from the winter <laughs> and, and the winter is too snowy and I can't wear my nice boots in the snow. <laughs> so then they never get freaking put on. <laughs> You have to, you have to give me a shot. Cause also, I mean, honestly, North America, we know we have seasons. Mm-hmm. So definitely I wear like, I know in winter now, I, in Canada, especially like, cause it's really bad here, but I'll wear like the same boots every single day. Like, it's just like, I can't look cute. I've given up on the idea of cute 
sh- like shoes for winter there's yeah. just like none they don't exist for canadian winter but yeah for the rest of it you should uh you should wear them if you love them you find the right moment and you go for it <laughs> yes do it mark wear the boots all right i'll wear the boots <laughs> y- y'all convince me to wear the boots so we always ask this question at the end and you kind of have touched on these points, but the title of the podcast is Salsa Soul Food. So salsa is your physical activity, soul are nourishing activities or self-care, like kind of like you mentioned with the morning routine. And then food is your relationship with food, maybe body image or like new recipes, new ingredients. So kind of take us through if there are any goals or particular things you're working on in those three little categories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think for my um, kind of like active, I really want guys like I would hope I need to find the recipe to close that gap of when I'm like, oh, look, I'm running so much. Oh, look, I'm being so disciplined. And it's like, maybe I should take a break. <laughs> I really need to understand how to close that. So it's not like I go a month or a month and a half without working out or you know like doing yoga I really it really changes my approach to my day when you like at least when when I just like pay attention to my body it's just like giving it a little hour you know what I mean it's like your body will thank you in so many ways and I I think I just have to remember that it's like it's easy to be lazy it's very easy um but sometimes it's just about self-care it's kind of like overlapping with you know um and uh wait when you okay so like the the second part sorry (laughs) um the more or less like self-care so definitely I as I said like morning routine is really important I'm trying to have a better sleeping schedule because sometimes shutting your brain down at night is a little bit hard like when I sleep deeply I sleep very well but sometimes things stress me and maybe like having a better drawing a better line between like your work and your personal life need to be a thicker line sometimes especially like I think during COVID where like a lot of people are bringing work home and that line is getting slowly dissolved and I think we only to remind ourselves that like home is the cozy place and the resting place where you have your in-house socks (laughs) and they need to be respected (laughs) um and yeah I think for food in general it's been like since I was young and I feel like also like a big difference between like Colombia and the U.S. and Canada is that I I used to find that in Colombia like eating healthy was much easier because every person that whose house you go to they're cooking they're not like oh let's get a takeout pizza you know what I mean it was just really like they're giving you like fruit juice like freshly squeezed and they're like oh here's something that I cooked for lunch and it's just like there's fruit available everywhere it just like the quality of food I would say is like just healthier like more homemade that's the number one Um, thing I hear about Colombia that's what everyone tells me who's been just been like I ate so well yeah like fruit everywhere and like you'll try all delicious things but um yeah I think just kind of finding a piece for that because sometimes I'm like oh my god I'm too busy like I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna eat out you know and then like those little things add up so um, I was also kind of when I was listening to your podcast about like um intuitive eating I'd realized like that's what I am I was like oh there's a word for it so I definitely think I'm more of an intuitive 
eater where I really I avoid weighing myself at all times I get obsessive about weight so I just never do it um but definitely just like I listen to my clothes my clothes are like oh honey this is really hard to to button right now maybe we should talk about it <laughs> and so I I feel like that's a way to to regulate it but, but obviously like you know trying to eat more cooking more at home and stuff like that it's just always like a goal and once you cook at home you're like damn this is better than anything I've had at a restaurant for like an overpriced amount you know so I think it's just good to to have people around you who who also enjoy cooking which I'm like thankful that I do so it's like uh, making time and making dinner special are a way of of like eating healthier so mm-hmm. yeah for sure what's your favorite meal to cook to cook okay so uh let me think my like signature meals okay so I'm gonna reveal this very secret recipe and this is like I wouldn't say it's super healthy, but it's just like indulgently delicious. Um, So I call it ghetto sushi. Oh my God. And the reason it's called ghetto sushi is because you have to like assemble it yourself. So basically I get like seaweed uh, sheets, which I cut in four. So they're like very more manageable. And then I'll make straight up like sushi rice. And then um, this is the only time I'll eat tuna. Sorry, Mark. I know you're obsessed with tuna. <laughs> yeah, you're probably eating good tuna. I eat it like packets of it, of bumblebee. <laughs> this is like that real kind. That's like the Italian fancy tuna. Although I, I read it's not even like it's not even Italian. They just pretend they're Italian. Um, and so you get those cans, and I add like veganese to that. It's very important ingredient, the veganese. And then, so you do the sushi rice, obviously you add like, you know, the rice vinegar and like a little bit of sugar to make it like a real sushi rice. And also just like avocado on the side. So you put it just all laid out on a table and then you may want to add some sake to it. I don't know. It depends on the kind of company you have. Um, And then you literally just assemble them yourself. Like, so you like laid the rice on seaweed, tuna on top, and then you add your little avocado and you eat it. And like, that is just like one of my staple meals that I make all the time and they never let me down oh that sounds really I'm like starving it's like it's my dinner time so you know (laughs) I'm about to run out of here (laughs) no that really does sound good though (laughs) Mm -hmm. also you take the cake for referencing other episodes oh yes (laughs) you reference I think three (laughs) oh my god you guys I'm not even sucking up I just really like them like straight up (laughs) Thank also, because Mark, I feel like obviously you and I went to high school. Well, we all went to high school mm-hmm. together, but I feel like I never really talked to you very much. And I actually feel this podcast, and I also say it for Angela, has been a great way of also getting to know you guys in different ways. So, yeah. And I love what you're doing. I love the guests that you have. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. But I love all the guests that you've had. You're, you're touching on like awesome topics. And I love that it's very like, oral history oriented and like everyone's narrative is as important so i definitely love what you guys are doing <laughs> getting you on was uh very exciting for me for that very same reason to 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 hear a full hour of of your story i was oh, about that thank you. <laughs> <laughs> i love it and Amazing. tell everyone where they can find you on social media and also the brand that you're currently the creative director of to praise Oh, cute. Yes. So I'm even gonna have to check this out because I don't know. But yes, yeah, so the brand I work for is 
called Praise Endurance. And I were, uh, you can find us at praise.official on Instagram. Our website is praiseofficial.com. And uh, yeah, I think, I mean, my personal IG is, is fine. I think you can post it later if you want, but I have, I don't post anything. So people, you're going to be disappointed if you, if you follow Yeah, me. she has tall <laughs> photos, but they're like so glamorous and amazing. <laughs> I was actually looking at them today. I'm like, oh my God, I just love these photos. Um, but no, I agree with Mark. Content. <laughs> no, Sorry. no, I agree with Mark. It was so great to have you on. Obviously, he got to learn more about you, but even I got to learn more. So, I love all of the insights you have, the connections you made with confidence, creativity, your wellness journey, mental health, body image. So, thank you so much. And I know that our listeners, hopefully, I know they'll be inspired by hearing your story. So, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. This was so fun. <laughs> Thank you.